You're about to learn three important lessons about winning tax work, particularly from current clients, that you can win more tax work yourself. Thanks for tuning in to episode 64 of the Tax Professionals Podcast. Welcome to the Tax Professionals Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you improve your tax career. Here's your host, Jack Bonehill. Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing well and looking forward to the Christmas break. I know I am, I just need a few weeks of doing nothing taxing, no pun intended, to re-energise and get 2023 off to a good start. It's been just over a year now since I became Senior Manager and I'd planned for this episode to be the lessons I've learnt in that time. I've done two similar episodes previously and I like doing them. I think it's because I like looking back at what's happened and how much I feel like I've improved in that time. And so I created a huge list of things I've learnt in the past year. But as I looked at the list, I just thought that whilst I might care a lot about these things that I've learned and I'd enjoy telling you about them, you're much less likely to care. And for someone who's close to becoming or has recently become a senior manager, I don't think many of the lessons I've learned on that list would be things that you'd be most interested to hear about. Before becoming senior manager, I was most worried and curious about how to win client work. And in my huge list, there are three key lessons I'd learned in relation to this. So I thought focusing on these three things would be much more valuable to you. And so here we are. This episode is going to be a bit different to other solo episodes that I've done before. I want all podcast lessons to be enjoyable, informative, and for the lessons to stick. And I realised the way to do this would be to tell good stories, but I was pretty rubbish at telling stories until I started trying to improve. I've been wary of trying to put into practice what I've learned in podcast episodes to date, in case they came across as like cringy or strange or weird. But I've told a few stories in the first tax research masterclass I delivered and I got some good feedback, so now kind of feels like a good time to give it give it a go. So I'm going to share each of the three lessons that I've learned in relation to winning tax work through stories, through real examples um, that have happened to me over the past year. So all three of these, all three of the stories that I'll tell are completely true. Rough timings for each of the lessons can be found in the details section of the episode in your podcast player of choice by heading on over to the show notes for this episode at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpp64. I'd love to hear what you think in relation to the stories that I tell, whether it's good, bad or ugly. And if you have any advice or constructive criticism at all, I'd appreciate it if you could give it to me. So if you could, it would be great if you could drop me an email with your thoughts at jack at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com or send me a message on LinkedIn. The only link you'll need to remember is a link for the show notes for this episode, thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpp64. There's all other links mentioned within the episode are included there, as well as my email address and a link to my LinkedIn profile. If you're interested in knowing what salary you should be on, then get in touch with James from the tax recruitment company to benchmark what you're currently on. From his interaction with many different businesses and tax professionals, he has current knowledge of salary rates, based on experience and specialism. Speaking with James could help you to negotiate a pay rise or determine it's time to find a new role. Contact details for James can be found in the show notes for this episode at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpb64, or you can book a chat with him directly by heading on over to thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash salary chat. So get in touch with James to benchmark your salary or discuss potentially available roles, particularly if you work in corporation tax, as he's currently recruiting for many roles in this area. I'm in a meeting room, standing up and brainstorming our ideas onto a whiteboard. It's Feb 2022 and I'm with a few members of my team, and we're brainstorming in relation to where our tax work is going to come from next year to make sure that we generate enough tax work to hit next year's target, so the 2023-23 target. It's £125,000 higher than what it was in the previous year. And for a team of five, for me, that feels like a lot. I'm not pessimistic, not by a long shot, but I'm also, generally speaking, realistic. 
I've already voiced my opinion in relation to this and I got pushed back. So we have this huge target for next year. So I'm standing up in this meeting room and we're brainstorming away. And as always, as a team, we just have loads of ideas. The whiteboard is completely full of ideas and suggestions and things we could do. And it's exciting to have all of these ideas because you can kind of see them and we can see them pay enough. And I would usually go away from a meeting like this with high energy and motivation to just execute like all of these ideas. But there's just too many to execute in reality too many to execute successfully at least and properly and from past experience I know where we do try and execute too many ideas at once they end up being done slowly and in some cases not at all and one of the things we have across the team that's a constraining factor is limited time and the reason things go slow or sometimes don't even get executed at all is just because we have a, a lack of time time is always our limiting factor and as a team, when it comes to winning tax work and reaching our targets, we always do we always do well. We'd always be what I would consider successful. But I do think by being more selective with the ideas we carry forward, reducing the amount that we try and execute, that we could be a lot more successful. And I've kind of made it my personal mission to persuade the team to focus on less things at once and just do like a complete and thorough and strong job of, of all of those things. So as I'm looking at this whiteboard full of all the ideas that we've just brainstormed, I know exactly what I need to do. I know the team's tendency is to divide across the team and to try and do all of them, but I just know that this is going to be a bad idea. And I know I need to convince the others there that we need to focus on just a few of them, the ones where we think we're going to get like the biggest bang for our buck. And for me, I want to only be tasked with one of these things, actually, just one of them. The one that I think we're going to get the most reward from for the amount of effort that I put into it. But at the same time, I think they would think I'm being ridiculous and stupid if I suggested that I only take one of the ideas off the board. So we have a debate around which ones we are going to go forward and execute next year. And we cut down the list a lot. So we've got something that's a lot less big than what it started with. But I have to keep persuading because there's still way too many on there to execute well, in my opinion. And we get down the ideas to about six across the three of us. And responsibility for most of those ideas is sat with one person in the team. And I just think that's not not a good idea because get too busy, don't get enough time to focus on each one. But I try and continue persuading to reduce more, but with no luck. But I'm actually in luck because I've actually only been tasked with doing one of them. It is a big idea to execute, but I'm tasked with just one of them, which I feel like is a huge win for me. But now I need to execute my one BD campaign, my business development campaign to win tax work really well. And I need to do that to avoid looking like a fool for putting forward my view that focusing on one better than trying to execute multiple at a single time. And I want to prove that less is more in these cases, just so that we can start doing this more as a team going forward. And all this, to be honest, feels like a lot of pressure. So I go to my desk and I start creating a plan for my campaign and I have some restricted parameters for my campaign. It needs to be aimed at just the recruitment sector. It needs to be aimed at just our current contacts list only. And it's to be centered around one product that we do for the recruitment sector. And whilst this goal wasn't set for me, I set myself the personal target of winning £100,000 worth of work from this one campaign alone. And I want to hit this. It's a challenge for me. But the product that the whole thing is centered around is £995 plus VAT. 
and there's 79 businesses in the current contacts list. So if every single person on that list purchased, which never happens, that'd be 79,000 pounds, which is 21,000 pounds less than my personal target. So I decided on my solution, which is basically to promote other products and upsell other products that would benefit the clients that we can talk about alongside the product that the campaign is centered around. And so I'll complete the plan and now it's time to execute it. About six months later or so, I'm in a team meeting with the whole team and it's my turn to give an update on the campaign that I'm doing. It's halfway through the year of the campaign and so far it's generated £55,000 worth of work and there's another £20,000 or so that's likely to, to be won imminently. And of course I'm chuffed and happy with that and the partner is too. And I truly don't believe that I would have won this amount of work in this time if I'd spread my focus over multiple campaigns or multiple different ways to try and win work. But I'm just so happy that it's kind of worked and that I didn't look like an idiot after all because not only has it done well for us this year, it's, I think, proven to the team that focusing on less is more. So my kind of lessons from this experience are that at senior manager, it's likely that you're going to need to do business development to win work, but you also have a lot of other responsibilities too at the same time, and the limiting factor is always time. And when it comes to winning work, my advice is to do what I do here. Find one method that is likely to reap good reward for like minimal effort, and just focus on that method. Do it really, really well. Don't split your time over numerous methods at once. And initially, you might need to do some trial and error to figure out what method might be the best investment on time. But once you've figured out that, go with it, stick with it. And in my experience anyway, you will reap much better reward from that. And then if you get more time after that, you can always then move on to another campaign. But I personally think focusing on one at a time is a really good thing to do. It's around September 2022 and I'm on a Teams meeting with a client uh, who's in the recruitment sector. I've known this client for some time. They'd asked for this meeting because they have a HMRC inquiry that's been started on them and they wanted to know the and they want to know the best way to proceed. But even though they want to know the best way to proceed, at the moment they want to deal with the inquiry themselves. So the client's asking me a bunch of questions about what they should do, how they how they should approach it, and so on. There's a lot of HMRC inquiries in the sector at the moment, and we've been helping a lot of other recruitment businesses with similar HMRC inquiries. And I'm aware from the sector more generally that businesses are receiving assessments, recruitment agencies are receiving assessments for millions of pounds of liabilities. And this client's inquiry, like all the others in the recruitment sector, is being conducted by the Fraud Investigation Service. And HMRC is conducting inquiries from the Fraud Investigation Service in the recruitment sector because it sees it sees that there's a lot of risk in this sector. It doesn't mean there's fraud necessarily. And from my experience today, HMRC can be really cheeky with the information that it's asking for by asking for things above and beyond what they're able to request under their statutory information powers and not making that clear to recruitment businesses at all. So they're trying to get more information they're legally entitled to and because of that, from my experience so far, a lot of care is needed with these inquiries. This is needed for there to be no unnecessary disputes or arguments with HMRC and to keep the inquiry to the shortest period possible. And, you know, in like the worst case possible, if if a recruitment business 
gives them information, gives HMRC information that they're not entitled to, then HMRC could use that against them in the future. And so for me personally, I truly believe that the best thing for for the client in this situation is for them to have professional support, whether it's from me or from another tax advisor. But I'm on this team's call now and but I'm on this team's call now and the client's asking me for advice so that they can deal with it themselves. And I just think this is not the right decision for them. I did actually find out about this client's HMRC inquiry about a month ago from a from a colleague and my colleague told me that the client wanted to deal with this inquiry themselves and I immediately thought that they just need proper support. But the client just told my colleague about it. They didn't ask for any help and they even actually said that they're going to deal with it themselves and play it with a straight bat was their, was their wording. And that was that. And really thinking about it, I should have contacted them there and then to kind of explain to them that they could really do with getting professional support on this. But I didn't do that. And so now on this team's call, I need to persuade the client that they need support because it's absolutely the right decision for them. And knowing that in the client's mind, they can deal with this themselves. I tell the client two stories so that they can kind of get a feel for uh, what, what can happen if they get professional support and what can happen if they don't get professional support. And so I give two client examples who are also in the recruitment sector for inquiries that we've been helping them with. Um, One client we got involved in about 12 months into the HMRC investigation and at this point in time the inquiry has been going on for about 30 months which is a long time and there's absolutely no end in sight and there's a huge risk of this client receiving um, assessments from HMRC for both the business and for the directors personally in the form of penalties. And there's another client that we got involved in very early on within like the first month or so and the inquiry got closed very quickly. And so I share these stories with with the client and I tell them that they could deal with the inquiry themselves but I tell them that personally in my view it's not in their best interests to do that. So I just tell them that they should really have a tax advisor on hand to support them all the way through this inquiry whether it's us or whether it's someone else but they do need heavy support with this inquiry to get the best outcome for them. But ultimately though it is their choice and I can't change that choice I can only give them the information for them to make that decision themselves and the client on the course says they're going to go away and discuss internally and I follow up with an email immediately where I strongly advise that they have support and so within a day, the client comes back to me and tells me that they want us to deal with the HMRC inquiry for them, which is absolutely great because I think that's the right decision for them, in my view. So I was ecstatic about this. Um, but without me strongly advising them that they needed this support, giving them the stories, etc., helping them understand the value that they would get from engaging a, engaging a tax advisor to help them with this as opposed to doing it with themselves, they probably wouldn't have gone ahead with it. So it's a win for the client because they'll now get a much better result. And it's a win for us because... It's a good piece of work that we've run with good fees associated with it. So sometimes you just need to give the client or whoever it is a little nudge. You need to convince them that it's the right thing for them or you, or by using the dreaded word, you need to sell it to them. And it's okay to sell things if you truly believe that it is the right decision for them and it's going to give them a lot of value and benefit than if they don't go ahead with that service. To me, it's part of being a trusted advisor and acting with integrity and with the client's best interests at heart Sometimes we need to tell them that they need to do something, even if it does result in us winning work at the same time. Just a reminder to benchmark your salary, find out what you're worth, or discuss available tax roles. Get in contact with James at the Tax Recruitment Company.
His contact details are in the show notes for this episode at thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash ttpp64, or you can book a chat with him directly by heading on over to thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash salary chat. It's 2020, and I've just clicked send on an email, sending a report over to the client. The report is the outcome of an employment taxes review that I've just done. And I'm currently an assistant manager, and this is the first time that I've done such a review and a report by myself, of course, of it being reviewed. But I'm proud of this work, and I put a lot of effort into it. I read the client's response to my email, which says that the report is really helpful and clear, and they acknowledge the risks and the fact that they need to take some action ASAP to fix the position. And they ask us to provide them with some quotes and proposals so that they can potentially engage us to help them with correcting some of these things and over the years I've seen basically every single employment taxes review that I've ever been involved with be priced on the basis that it will lead to more work and so because of that the quote ends up being lower than it otherwise be and that makes complete sense when you're doing any form of review for a client you're likely to spot issues that need correcting and other ways that you can help the client and in order to do those things properly the client could do with professional support but in reality, I've never actually seen it pan out in that way. I've never seen like big pieces of work come out of the back of a of a review of any any kind. I've seen some real small things, but nothing big anyway. But this time, I'm much more optimistic because it just feels different. The client has been so complimentary of our work to date, and they will, in a few weeks' time, provide us with a shining testimonial. So I draft the quotes and I send them over to the clients and over the next few weeks I follow up with a few calls and emails but I have absolutely no success in getting through to them on the phone. I do have a few responses in email from them and then I get the important email, the one that tells me whether they're going to go ahead with the quotes or proposals or not. And within the email they say that feedback on the report from the directors has been really good the comments have only been positive and they've they're just happy with how everything's gone so far but they've decided to get support from their new auditors instead and this is a massive bittersweet feeling for me because it's the first time that i've personally tried to convert additional work on the back of a review and now it's another time that i see this not happening but it was so so close and i really thought that we we're going to win it this time so I'll give it another go with another employment taxes review for another client on the back of a review that I did in late 2021. We have a meeting with the client to run through the report and after this meeting I'm just absolutely determined to help them with the recommendations because really in my view they really need professional support to get this right. They don't have the expertise in-house. And so I set out on this journey to help them with the recommendations that we gave them in the review. So about a month after the about a month after the meeting, I follow up with the client on email with the aim of organising a chat with them to see how they're getting on with the recommendations. And we have the chat. I follow up with some proposals that they've asked for within that chat. And we have another chat. And the client gives us the go-ahead on a small piece of work, which I am very chuffed about because now we've run some work on the back of it. And then over the coming months, I organise multiple other chats with the clients. I keep touching base with them. I keep being helpful. I keep reminding them that we're there to help them if they need it and the client then asked us to do a few other small pieces of work for them and then we agreed the big thing we agree with them to provide them with recurring work on a monthly basis for a fixed fee and at this point I'm absolutely over the moon because I put so much effort into trying to make this happen and it's now happened so 
you can win work on the back of doing reviews for clients. Uh, you just need to persevere, keep in regular contact with them, be helpful without giving away valuable work for free, focus on the relationship, getting to know them better, finding out ways that you can help them and betraying that to them and always keeping an eye out for the areas where you can add value for them. It's all about the relationships, helping them to trust you, helping them realise that you can add value and support them in ways that they should really get the support. And just side note, this doesn't need to be on the back of a review. It can be on the back of any work that you do for for a client or even someone that you haven't done work for yet. Regular contact, remind them that you're there, help them understand the ways that you can help them and add value to them. And for me, that's a winning formula for winning tax work. So in summary then for this episode, my advice is to not spread yourself too thin when it comes to trying to win work and that less is actually more. Do one thing or a campaign fully first that you think will reap the most reward for the time input and then if you have more time and capacity, move on to the next thing or campaign. Overall, one of the problems that we have in the tax profession is that for people who don't work in tax, there's a general lack of awareness out there for how engaging tax professionals for support can add value to a business and on top of that there's times when you honestly believe that a business really needs a service that you offer because it's going to be just absolutely the right thing for them to do so don't be scared to explain those benefits Um, and through stories is a good way to do that because it doesn't feel like you're kind of throwing information onto them and don't even be scared to tell them in some cases that they could really do with support uh, even if it's from a different firm and it's not from from you But in relation to those latter points, I would only do that if you know the people quite well and you have an established relationship with them because otherwise you could just damage the relationship if you go in with that approach too soon. And the last thing is take advantage of your current contacts or clients and current clients. These contacts will be much warmer to you and more receptive to speaking and listening to you. You'll usually be able to add further value to these people these businesses than you currently are and so when you're speaking to them you can always be on the lookout for opportunities and even think about ways that you can add value to them and then organize a chat with them to talk about those things mention all the things in conversations with them about where you think you can help them and add value but don't push it too far where it just seems like you're trying to be salesy to them it's kind of the last point with it keeping regular contact with these people. If you can maintain regular contact, it's going to help you build that relationship over time and hopefully mean that when they do need support, even if they don't want it now, that you're the first person that's in their mind for these things. And so rather than picking up the phone or sending an email to someone else, they'll do it to you. How did you find the storytelling approach in this episode? I'm genuinely keen to hear from you in relation to this. So if you could send me an email with your thoughts and your comments, whether they're positive, constructive or whatever, that'd be great. So you can send emails to me at jack at the taxprofessionalspodcast.com or you can even send me messages on LinkedIn, whatever works for you. The show notes for this episode can be found at the taxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash TTPP64. And as always, the show notes include links to everything mentioned throughout this episode and it also includes some links to some other uh, work winning related episodes to help you win more tax work Um, and there's also I've also put my email address in there too so that you don't have to remember it. To make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes of the podcast head on over to thetaxprofessionalspodcast.com forward slash subscribe to sign up for email notifications. But that's it for this episode. 
I hope you found the episode useful and have taken away some useful points to help you to progress, develop and improve your tax career. Until next time. Mm-hmm.